we think that tech and STEM in general is too complicated for women and women are not skilled enough um, to pursue the career in IT or STEM. Uh, even at schools, when we have a live skill sessions, groups are divided by male and female. And then male go learn something technical and female are taught how to cook. Today is International Women's Day and amongst other things is an opportunity to highlight the work that still needs to be done to create inclusive and equal workplaces. As you can tell from the excerpt of our first interview, whilst at times it might feel that we're making progress in the UK, that's certainly not the case in many other places around the world. And as this is an international podcast, we wanted to make sure that we gave voice to the struggles faced by far too many women. We've got three interviews to bring you, uh, starting with Bonu, who's based in Tajikistan, before we come back to the UK with Sarita and Michelle. But we hope that this gives you plenty of food for thought and that you do also at the same time enjoy and celebrate International Women's Day today. This is Tech Talks, your weekly technology podcast from the Harvey Nash Group with myself, David Savage, where we bring you thoughts and ideas from some of the leading lights across our industry. Joining me for today's podcast, I've got Akish. How are you, Akish? We're a bit under the weather. Yes. Wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're good. A small outbreak. Uh, tomorrow... Not tomorrow, today. You know what I mean. Yep. So today, when you're listening to this, tomorrow when me and Akisha are talking, is International Women's Day. And, you know, if you're wondering why, if you're if you're a, a, an idiot who's wondering why this is important, well, uh, I'll just kind of refer to some, some statistics that state that companies with the higher proportion of inclusivity on their boards, so where more women are involved at the board level, uh, tend to be in the twenty top twenty five percentile of the most competitive organisations. So, basically, when women run companies, they tend to perform better. So, the opportunity to try and expand the uh, the amount of digital leaders that we've got out there, which currently sits at around about twelve percent, well, it needs to happen. It Pretty does. simple, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's not a complicated message. Anything that we can do to shift the dial and get more women involved in the upper reaches of organisations is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think by having attention thrown onto it and facts, I want to say facts and figures, right? I want to say by having these sorts of conversations and the stats actually out there in the public domain and people saying, look, hey, this is an organisation that is kind of, you know, does have women in leadership positions and look how they're thriving and, and look how well they're doing. Um I think that sort of stuff is is great, and and other organisations that are possibly falling behind, uh, you know, it just allows a, a you know, a, a level of introspection. You know, have, have a look, have a think, and and see what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And for our part on this podcast, we've got three uh, interviews to bring you today. We're going to start by taking a short trip to to. I'm going to say that again: a short trip to Tajikistan. I'm blaming that on feeling a little bit under the weather not being able to speak properly at the minute uh <laughs> so our first interview is with bonu and we'll be back in a moment so i'm lucky to be joined by uh, bonu bonu you're the director of aleph academy and you're joining us from tajikistan how are you hi good i'm very good how are you yeah good and just remind me you are it's it's five hours ahead is it just gone about two o'clock in the afternoon on friday when we're recording yes it's 2 a.m in tajikistan now 2 p.m. I hope. Oh, sorry, Not 2 p.m. <laughs> if it was 2 a.m., I'd feel horrible. 2, 2 p.m. Rude getting you up at this time of night for a podcast, but no, 2 p.m. So you're looking forward to the weekend? Um, yes, yes, actually quite excited. Yeah? It's, it's The weather is very nice here. It's warm and sunny, so oh, very, very excited. How, how warm out of interest? 18 degrees plus 18 oh. Yeah, no, that, that that would be quite nice. It's not that in the UK, I promise you. So, um, yes, very jealous. Well, anyway, um, before we get into anything else, uh, Bonnie, do you just want to tell us who you are and, and tell us a little bit about Aleph Academy, of which you are director? Sure. Um, I am, as you, as you mentioned, I'm a director of Aleph Academy. So Aleph Academy is a public organization founded in 2017. Um, it is an IT school 
uh, we we teach different uh, courses related to IT. It was founded in 2017 by one of the leading fintechs in Tajikistan called Alif. The reason it was founded because um, Alif needed the specialist in the IT sector. The IT team is quite big in Alif um, because we develop everything we, we do our products in-house. So we needed a specialist, but we couldn't find anyone in the market, those who would suit what we needed. So that's why Aleph decided to have their own courses to, to teach young generation different skills we needed in, in the company. But then very soon we realized we don't hire everyone who teach and the others go up to, in the market to the market and to other companies and organizations and we benefit a lot of people. So that's why in 2019, we decided to register Alif Academy as a public organization. So our mission is really to develop the human resources in the IT sector in the country. Okay, and am I right in thinking then, you said kind of the next generation young people, we're talking about kind of university college student age, right? As opposed to school age, or, or is that wrong? We started off with, with the age, like our, our courses were, because our courses were very, very technical, like programming languages, we started off, uh, the age limit was 18 plus. Mm. Uh, but now we have variety of courses, not only in programming, but in different uh, parts of IT, like management and quality assurance. We also have courses for kids. Uh, so that's why it really varies right now. We have courses starting from nine years old, and some of the courses start from 16 plus, some more technical like programming, uh, 18 plus. So age categories are very different right now. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Look, I, I, I am going to have to be very careful here because I don't want to appear horribly ignorant. But Tajikistan obviously has a very different kind of makeup to, I suppose, a lot, a lot of the, the the guests that we have on this podcast. Um, I was doing a little bit of reading and and. Uh, online, it was talking about the fact that access to textbooks in education in Tajikistan remains an issue. Um, only 50% of schools actually had access to the internet in recent years. So you as, a, as an enterprise organization coming in and, 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 and providing alternative forms of education, how, how important is that? Because to me, I don't, this, is, this is my bias, my cultural context. I'm, I'm quite a strong believer in state education, private education. I'm kind of a little bit suspicious of. It's like, well, hang on a minute. That's kind of giving unfair advantage to people who have um, means as opposed to everyone else. But I suppose your, your country's in a very different situation and you're going in there and providing something that otherwise children wouldn't have access to. Is that right? Exactly. And that's why exactly why our courses are also for free, because we really want to bring high quality education to people who do not have access to this education. You have very correctly mentioned that a lot of the schools and universities do not have access to study materials. There is a shortage of study materials, uh, especially in the remote areas. The people um, in the bigger cities have this unfair advantage of having internet connection or having access to computers and, uh, and other facilities. Unfortunately, when you go out uh, from the bigger cities, then the situation is very sad because schools do not have uh, computer labs or, or any infrastructure. Uh, there is no internet, or if there is internet, the connection is very poor. And generally, the internet is very expensive in this region. Um, in our country, and generally in the Central Asia, we have very, very expensive internet. At the same time, very poor quality. I'm talking to you right now, and I'm very nervous uh, because I'm. Uh, I hope the internet connection doesn't cut off. Uh, <laughs> If, if it does, point. you will rejoin and no one will ever be the wiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I think what we what we try to do, we really try to make education, high quality education and IT accessible. Uh, and one of the reasons was we created online platforms for uh, for our courses too is 
so that people from rural areas can have access to our courses as well. We have our classes in two big cities in the country, capital Dushanbe and uh, Hujand. But then uh, we, we try to promote our courses outside of these big cities because we wanted children and um, students generally uh, have an access to those courses. It comes, there are so many obstacles on the way. Yeah. Um, Within yours, look, you're, you're obviously someone who's been very successful in the technology sector. And this podcast is going out on International Women's Day. Obviously, you are female. Are you... Are you the exception or within within your society and culture? I mean, how, you know, if, if I think about some, some Far Eastern Asian countries, you, you think of kind of t- traditional careers for, for women or, or the way that, that, that kind of they push women. It's kind of doctors or lawyers, maybe not technology so much. How is technology viewed within Tajikistan? How is technology viewed as a, as a career opportunity for a woman? Well, you know, the conversations around what professions or sectors are more suitable for women might seem a bit outdated for a lot of developed countries. But unfortunately, in the countries like ours, it is our reality. They're actually the careers which are considered suitable, whatever that means for women. Um, And if you ask me if I am that exception, I don't know. I think I have, I'm lucky uh, because I had opportunity to access education from a young age. I think I'm lucky because my family has supported me a lot when, uh, I mean, morally supported to, you know, um, they prioritized, they showed me the value of education from the very, very young age. And when we talk about women in tech, um, this is actually the sector which is considered for male. Um, there is, unfortunately, no clear documentation which would show an gender equality in the sector in the country. I cannot give, even give you a statistics which says, okay, this is the percentage of women working in tech. Um, for example, if you take Uzbekistan, which is a nearing, uh, our neighboring country, 80% of women only in IT work in IT sector, which is such a small number. Uh, and I am... Sure, in our country, it's even less. And there are many, many reasons why. First of all, because um, we think that tech and STEM in general is too complicated for women, and women are not skilled enough um, to pursue the career in IT or STEM. Uh, Even at schools, when we have a live skill sessions, groups are divided by male and female, and then male go learn something technical and female are taught how to cook or, or um, sew or something. So from a very, very young age, you see your reality is there are certain things you can do, like being a doctor, being a teacher, um, artist. And the certain things you cannot do, like technology or STEM in general, because those are male type of um jobs look so you've, you've described the fact that the cities have an unfair advantage when it comes to access to the internet and in rural areas just getting people online is a challenge never mind fighting cultural barriers where obviously as you express people think that the tech that the technology is too complicated for women so how do you make sure that women are uh, aware of the opportunities that are available to them i think here from our side we have a lot of events We have a lot of talks and um, a lot of materials online which promote IT. We actually show the success stories of our students saying that um, here are the people who dared to try and actually succeeded. We we had a course uh, especially for women. We had programming uh, introduction to programming course for girls. Uh, it was called GIS, JavaScript Girls. When we taught JavaScript for girls, uh, it was an online course. We actually had 157 graduates from that course. Um, but then we came across so many obstacles. Like, number one, parents do not think IT is um, a good career for their 
um, daughters because they think they won't succeed in this sector. Women have so many, um, there's so many stereotypes which hold you back from even trying. Um, I think in our society, boys are raised to be brave and try different things. And girls are raised to be perfect. And um, and when you know that you're not, when you're told so many times you're not good at something and you're afraid of making a mistake, you actually do not try. And I think that's a problem is because they, they hear all the time that we are not good enough, then they stop believing that they're actually not good in, in STEM, they won't be able to succeed. And what we do, we have a lot of events promoting IT generally. We talk about the opportunities in IT. We talk about the different um, professions in IT generally. But we also invite the female speakers who serve as a role models, who speak about the challenges they came across in their, in their journey who talk about their work, and this actually has been helping. And one of the things we did not consider when we worked with our first group was we didn't really tackle the cultural the, the cultural aspect of it. But right now we're working on a new course, and what we want to do, we actually want to have conversations with the parents. We want to talk to parents and have information sessions with the parents, showing them the opportunities their girls can have. A lot of females in our country are stay-at-home moms, and IT is actually the perfect career to pursue mm -hmm. because then you can work remotely for any company in the world and be economically um, independent. Um, we, we want to invite the psychologists to, to the course to work with the girls and mentors to, to guide them through the whole process. Uh, because what we thought is awareness and computer literacy is enough. But what we have learned, this is not, because there are so many psychological barriers um, that just seeing an opportunity won't help. Listening to you talk there, you, you raise an interesting point. With the pandemic, more remote opportunities are available. There are more opportunities to work for, for companies in other countries without leaving Tajikistan. How important do you think that might be? Because I suppose if, the, if there are greater opportunities to start those careers, but not... Because if, if, if you had to leave Tajikistan to be successful, or at least if if you had to leave the country to stand a greater chance of being successful, then I suppose you are not in Tajikistan for others to see if you have been successful. Whereas now perhaps you can have a career in technology and be where you are and people can go, well, hang on a minute, what are you doing? Exactly, exactly, absolutely. That's what we are also trying to try to show people, that you don't have to leave the country. You actually do not have to go anywhere to, to work or be successful, you can be in the country, stay at home if you choose to, but still work and uh, make your make make money for your living. And that's what we want to show families. That's what we want to show girls. That uh, in order to be successful, for example, the notion of success a few years ago was you have to leave the country to get better education. You have to leave the country to find the companies who will will help you to grow in your career. But right now, with the current situation, um, you can actually stay at home and work remotely and get access to education even remotely. I noticed from doing some reading that there has been a concerted effort uh, from from authorities to make sure that, that, that there is a promotion of micro-businesses and SMEs. Obviously, that that's written online. It's going to be, I suppose, the positive spin on it. Um, and you being on the ground may feel that that has, has been overstated, I suppose, the success. Do, do you think those efforts have been successful? Do you think that's that's a genuine kind of effort to try and grow more businesses within the country and, and give more opportunity? I think yes. I think definitely um, definitely, there has been a change. There has been a change the last few years, especially the last two years. Um, now uh, the government is working on the initiative called IT Park, which will 
bring a lot of training centers together to help the small businesses to succeed, especially tech in the tech uh, industry. There has been a lot of initiatives from the government to promote IT as well. So I think those um, those have been helping a lot. But there's still so much to do in terms of providing a suitable infrastructure, including internet. So um, I think one of the main reasons, one of the main problems we have is expensive connection, unstable connection, lack of infrastructure. There has been efforts to promote small businesses and create an environment for them, but there's so those are baby steps to help them, and I'm happy those have been taken. But there's so so much more to do, and I'm actually happy that um, that with the creation with this IT park, I hope there will be a platform for small businesses and training centers and. Um, investors to come together and actually start um, working together to, you know, develop the IT sector or support the small businesses. And look, the last question I wanted to ask you, and I suppose that is wrapped up in kind of personal experiences. You are someone who, despite the barriers that you have described, has succeeded and you are still in the country. So how do you think people have helped you and how do you think that you can help empower others? Um, I think for me, I, I have been lucky because my, my family has showed me the value of education from a very, very young age. My mom's education and a lot of opportunities were taken away from her. And I think what she really tried to do to give us a freedom to choose what we want to do. My career in tech is not, um, I, I just came to tech not a long time ago. Before that, I worked in education. I worked in international development. I really had an opportunity to try myself in different sectors. Um, and I think the big part of it is that my family has been so, so supportive of me. But then at the same time, I have been surrounded by young females who did not have those opportunities because they didn't have the support of their family. Um, in my career, I did come across a lot of people who would tell me I'm too young or not uh, experienced enough uh, that I should be doing something else. But because I have that support, my support system actually helped me. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to create those this kind of support system for our students um, by leading um, by by, by supporting them, by being an example for them, by actually providing the resources for them. Those are human resources like mentorship and educational programs, um, but also a mental support. You know, sometimes you just need someone to talk to. And we're also very, very open to just have open conversations about the challenges we come across the downs and ups of what we have experienced in the past. Um, yeah, I think in general, it's, I understand I have an unfair advantage and I want to be the one who actually give this support, as much support as I can. And my team also, I, I have a team of brilliant, smart, young women who also lead by an example. They're also very strong. Um, they're also very, um, you know, encouraging and empowering. And I look at them and they empower me too every day. So, I, I wouldn't say you have an unfair advantage. You obviously have been lucky to have the support of your family, but the fact that you are then trying to help others, <laughs> I don't yeah. think you should, you should look at it as a negative, certainly. <laughs> well, look, one, 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 one last thing, one final thing. You mentioned that there, you know, the, the opportunity for people to be successful, to stay in Tajikistan, um, but to work for international, international organizations is something that uh, could really help. So if, if someone's listening, and we do have listeners who lead technology businesses, they're looking to grow, why should they tap into the talent that you've got there in your country? I think uh, there's so much potential in, 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 in people, generally, no, no matter where in the world. But some have been lucky to realize their potential and some have not. 
because of different reasons, cultural barriers, stereotypes, financial difficulties. And I think giving an opportunity to those who have been deprived uh, is something we all have to be doing by helping and empowering others. And when you give an opportunity to someone who didn't have that opportunity, they value this for so, so much. Um, and I think there are so many young, uh, brilliant uh, people in our country who are looking for uh, support. And I think any organization, any company will be lucky to, to you know, uh, have them as part of their teams or somehow support. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for, oh, sorry, this afternoon rather. For, <laughs> so thank you for that. And uh, enjoy the weather. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It was a pleasure. You also have a very good weekend ahead. Thank you. Right. Um, so Bonu, director of Aleph Academy. I think it was really telling that she admitted that she can't even give us a percentage for the levels of female participation in tech in Tajikistan. Mm. Which is worrying, right? It's um, it's something that is definitely a little bit like, wow, okay, that needs to get addressed. But then there's a whole range of cultural, political sort of issues and stuff i think which is yeah. possibly for another day but i think well no i think it's i think it's worth talking about because uh, you know it shows i think we often with especially with international women's day i am complacent of getting wrapped up in the uk view of the world mm. um and then you talk to someone who's leading an organization but yeah. comes from a country where Unfortunately, culturally, technology is seen as too complicated for women. Mm -hmm. And skill sessions at school are divided into male and female. And the girls are taught to sew and cook whilst yeah. the boys are taught about engineering. Yeah. And, and I think it's the, I don't know, it, it's the age old thing, right? About, you know, culture and education and stuff. And yeah, I, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm from a culture where it isn't like that at the moment um you know i'm from southeast asia and it used to be back in when my parents were at school right um but i think it's something that seriously i think from a legal perspective if if it's not driven into the syllabus and then we have these conversations which i'm sure we'll probably get to at some point or you know on today on international women's day people will see it on linkedin they'll they'll read articles and stuff around stem and um you know, are we kind of getting hold of our, our females and our young girls at school? And are we teaching them the value of technology, of, of entrepreneurship, of leadership? You know, these sorts of things. If we're not driving it into the syllabus at a young age, and that, let's be honest, how does it get driven into a syllabus? That is by the governing bodies, the government, that sort of, you know, that sort of level. Mm. Then how do you expect it to, you know, kind of, 15 16 20 years down the line how do you expect it to materialize into females that are you know capable enough and, and willing enough to to kind of be part of these organizations so it's, it's it's a very it's a very tricky one um because and we see it every year right international women's day comes around every year every year we're talking about the bias we're talking about you know kind of um spotlight on females that sort of thing and and I think where me and you kind of fit into this, we I would consider ourselves to be male allies towards it, right? Um, and I think this year, International Women's Day, the, the, the kind of hashtag is, I think, break the bias, right? So mm -hmm. if the bias, for example, let's use Tajikistan, I mean, I'm no political or, you know, geography expert, but if we were to use that and the bias at the moment is towards men being taught, you know, engineering or being taught kind of the technology or that sort of skills and we need to break that and and, yeah. and by what they're doing at Aleph I think it's it's great like you know they're at least spotlighting or, or causing some attention on that matter I also think that it's a really brilliant kind of case study for why access to technology is an important thing because she talks about cities having um, an advantage the internet just isn't available in rural areas. But if you can get the internet to those places, remote jobs now are something that people can 
do because the opportunity to leave the country is small and therefore bringing jobs to Tajikistan and, and literally bringing digital opportunities to that country can make a difference, can change that needle because at the minute, you know, if, if you if you're in a situation where um, technology is seen as too complicated for women and they don't even have access to the internet anyway, yeah, well, how do you expect to make yeah progress? Yeah. But if you do get access to the internet and you do say right now, some of these girls can become women in the sector and stay in country and change opinions, that yeah. can be a really powerful social mobility and cultural change uh, agent. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think I think. Again, we sometimes think about our UK hat, right? We sometimes think with our UK lens of every organization being, you know, FTSE 500 and, you know, organizations being the the ones with the big buildings in the city in London and that sort of thing. But there are millions and millions of organizations around the world, millions of employers. And a lot of the employers, let's face it, in the pandemic, they have either had to go to remote working or have had to be very lean and do things you know themselves and Mm. from a technology perspective a database is the same in the uk as it is in tajikistan right like python as a programming language is the same language as it is in uk as it is in tajikistan for example yeah or you know any any programming language um technology is an international language exactly so the fact that they there can be so many employers that can literally say look we are happy to kind of you know get people in on a remote basis let's be honest it's helping them because they're saving on a lot of overheads um And they are given the chance to someone who may not have had a chance to have that job, um, yeah. you know, because they had to truck up and down the underground wearing a blue suit and a white shirt and, you know, pretend to be, you know, part of the city culture when they maybe didn't want to be. So it, it, it allows, I think, the whole remote working element, it just allows people to have access to jobs and opportunities that maybe they would not ever have, you know. Now, we are going to move on to our second interview, which is an interview with Sarita, uh, who works at an organization called Consult My App. She's the commercial director. And I think this one's interesting, um, uh, Akish, because she is someone who studied law and then was in sales and has moved into technology. So we're talking about broadening out the opportunities or broadening out the industry and sector to to a wider pool of of candidates she's a brilliant example for this um she also asks how pandemic has changed sales is something you're a salesperson mate um she says more honesty hold having to hold a conversation rather than just being able to whine and dine people it's stripped back sales uh yeah yeah i'd agree with that i, th- I think i think empathy's become a massive part of sales um Empathy always used to get thrown around in sales trainings, right? Oh, you know, have empathy and show empathy, that sort of thing. But I think genuinely over the last two years now, people do have that. And and I think as a salesperson, I've got a lot more empathy towards people, um, possibly less cynical as well. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just, you know, giving my opinion on it. I, I think you actually begin to realize there is more to a person than that kind of robotic Monday to Friday, nine to five or whatever, you know, type of person. And and you tend to develop a bit more of a relationship with people. Um, and I think what happened during the pandemic is people went through such big life changes, whether it's kind of, you know, think things, things that a lot, a lot of our clients that I know really well, you know, move their parents back in or mm. move completely out of London or um, bought a puppy or, you know, uh, had a kid uh, or, chose to get married and you know there were so many life style changes that took place um even yourself like you know you moved away from london right from from where you were um sort of yeah 35 miles yeah but i mean (laughs) you started the pandemic fairly close to london didn't you um and, and I, I wouldn't say finished it because I don't think it's finished, uh, evidently, with with the no. state with, with the state me and you are in at the moment. But um, I, I, I just think, yeah, I, I think a lot more relationship building is done rather than just saying, right, can I take you out for a few drinks and try to get someone, you know, drunk. Um, yeah. So yeah. Which will probably elongate the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so we'll hand over to this interview. Uh, we'll be back again afterwards. 
A couple of months ago, we spoke to Mike Rhodes, founder of Consort My App, and now we've got one of Mike's team, Sarita, on the show. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Look, we wanted to talk to you specifically because um, it's International Women's Day. So thank you for taking some time to to kind of out of your working day to, to have a chat with us. No worries at all. It's a pleasure. And look, uh, I mentioned there, Mike, and, and consult my app. Um, but if people haven't heard that episode, do you just want to tell us who CMA are and, and what you do for the business? Yeah, of course. So as you mentioned, uh, my name is Sarita, and I'm the commercial director of Consult My App, a, a leading mobile marketing agency. So who is CMA? Um, we specialize in professional and managed services in the app marketing space. So all the way from strategic and project management through to delivery and execution. Um, and we have three main areas or pillars, what we say of support, which we class as implement, grow and engage areas. And the reason for this is so we can actually touch each area of an end user's lifecycle journey on the mobile app. So it can start with really our customers' MarTech setup. Is it set up for success? for a performing app and for the app to perform really well are your is your data obviously talking to each other and connected in the right way all the way through to acquisition so if you're scrolling on facebook and instagram and you see an ad for uh, to install an app that may be from cma and um, all the way through to post acquisition so when you're getting notifications or emails or uh you know a uh, pair of trainers that you're looking to to buy uh, that can also be uh, which is a regular for me I'll be honest Tra- <laughs> trainers trainers absolutely absolutely so um, and then I mentioned obviously delivery and execution it could be copywriting html email design you name it mm. uh, we can supply those areas and and really we believe all three areas that I mentioned the implement engage and growth areas uh, need to be working in unison to have a truly mobile marketing successful setup so here's a question you work in a technology organization yes would you count yourself as a female technologist or not (laughs) that's a good question um as commercial director i would probably say not uh i mean i work in tech whether i'm technology expert probably not um however i love the fact that i work in tech it's you know everything around and everything we're doing nowadays is all around tech so in that sense yes uh but whether i'm a technology expert that's that's another question (laughs) i didn't really ask if you're a technology expert (laughs) what i'm interested to know is whether or not you consider yourself to have a career in tech Uh, well then yes absolutely yes i do because your your background is hopefully i've got this right you did um a bachelor's in business management, um, and then you've got a graduate diploma in law, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, sorry, no, I think this is fascinating. And then you've come up the sales route. So enterprise sales, senior sales, you started kind of an, account, an accounts payable administrator, but then moved into the sales. Yes. And then obviously onto the commercial director role now. Because mm-hmm. um, increasingly... People are beginning to question whether we have a too narrow focus, especially, you know, given that this is International Women's Day and this is a technology podcast. You know, we often report about female participation in technology being 15%, 17%. But then some people are beginning to say, well, actually, no, it's 30% because we need to redefine what a tech career is or what a role in tech is. And if you look at the kind of the way that technology is spent outside of the traditional tech department, you've got HR and finance and so on really spending money on technology, enabling technology solutions within their business. It's like, is is that a technology career? And I suppose you're very, very typical of that individual who now definitely works in tech. I get that it's debatable for you in your mind, are you a technologist? Maybe not a technology expert, but a technologist. Yeah. And yet there is this idea around, should we reclassify a whole bunch of roles as being in tech? I mean... When you put it like that, then yes, I would I would definitely say that I have a career in tech. And when someone asks me what I've been doing for the last six years, I would say I have been working in software and in technology. I mean, and you just mentioned that. So uh, 
yeah, that was a very big career change for myself, obviously, previously en route to being a lawyer um, and now sort of going down the path of what I would say is the technology and as a saleswoman in technology. So you were on, on the route to being a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> um, let's unpick that. How come you're not a lawyer? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I'd probably say I don't really like lawyers. Am I allowed to say that? Can I say that? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, well, I did a lot of work experience in law. Um, I obviously did a graduate diploma in law as well after doing my undergraduate degree. It was still a very big passion of mine. I just didn't think it fit my personality and what I thought was, you know, something that I would like to progress forward in a career. Um, and then I think I was looking for a role that allowed me to be more personable, that allowed me to speak. Uh, I love to talk. Uh, some of those people can't shut me up, but I, you know, and it's sort of this role within sales actually fell into my lap and it really did resonate with myself and that's how I progressed forward into a, a saleswoman in tech. <laughs> Often when we think about technology and we think about, and I'll, I'll say girls because I mean women in um, secondary education. Yes. So GCSEs and so on. Often when we think about about women at that age, um, parents and teachers can dissuade them from uh, STEM-related subjects um, and push them towards traditional roles rightly or wrongly kind of parents and teachers seem to be unfortunately kind of really at the crux of that did you find that there was positive pressure trying to push you into law because they saw they saw that as a route that they would like you to go down when perhaps there might be another opportunity or other avenues I suppose that were better suited yeah definitely and again not to be stereotypical but not only am I of a background of being a woman uh, but I'm also of an Asian background so for me in particular, going down the path of being a saleswoman in software was a bit of a shock from with my family. They they found that really strange to get their head around. It wasn't the typical doctor or law or account route. It was, okay, so you're a woman and you're going to go into tech and you're going to be a saleswoman. What, what does that even consist of? Um, so it did take a few sort of years to come around. Not that they were ever against it. They've always been very supportive of myself, but they didn't quite understand what that consisted of because of this potentially backward mentality of what a sales person looks like. And, and then also, I mean, what is software? What is tech? It's so broad. And as you mentioned, there's so many different sort of other roles that are factored into technology. Where do, where do I sit? Um, but, you know, since then, been, for me, I think very successful in the last six years. Well, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in today. But um, look, when you say backward, a backward vision of a sales role, yeah. what, what are you alluding to there? Uh, well, you know, even myself, I, I think I had a lot of like education around what is a sales type role. Uh, back when I was a girl in secondary school, I knew sales as door-to-door salesmen or uh, selling things at Curry's and PC World, who knows? It it took a lot of education around what is behind that. And even when I actually branched into that career within sales, I was actually told by a woman, the CEO of the company actually, mm-hmm. that I would be too nice to make it in sales. And I actually questioned her and I said, what does, what does that mean, too nice? Because now, fast forward six years, that's actually what I believe has formed and, and I guess made me the successful person I am today because it's made me more personable. It's actually created a lot of the deals that I've won on the back of being this too nice of a personality. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one and, and I would like to educate potentially more people on it doesn't need to be potentially like a bullish salesperson. It, it can be just forming a relationship being conversational and taking it from there really where sales is is concerned how do you think the pandemic has potentially affected the way that salespeople conduct their business because the traditional view of how you go about sales the very process of sales has had to be called into question right yeah absolutely i mean pre-pandemic i was flying 
here, there and everywhere, doing dinners, um, wine and dining, as they like to call it. And don't get me wrong, absolutely loved it, lapped it up. Um, but obviously, pandemic, it's now over Zoom or meetings. And then it got to the stage where people weren't always on cameras because they didn't want to be. They were still probably in their pyjamas, say. So it was very then much just my voice having to carry the conversation and make sure it's engaging and you then actually form a relationship just through, you know, via a computer screen. So it has definitely changed a lot. But I wouldn't say it's been for, you know, the worst. Don't get me wrong, I do miss the wine and dining. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's different. But do you think there's a, there's a, a greater degree of honesty about sales now like i i've worked in sales for many many years and it was always people buy from people yeah what you're saying here is prior to the pandemic people didn't buy from people people bought from people plus nice things whereas now it really is a case of people buying people because the nice things weren't able to happen for two years i mean I wouldn't say that it wasn't that way with the wine and dining. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think there was still that people buy from people. Um, it may have changed. Uh, I think a lot of them were like, oh, we'll take you to uh, see an England game and you can go to my box office or what have you. But yeah, there is a lot more honesty around now being via Zoom or Teams or Skype, whatever the form is. You have to strip that back. You have to be able to... It is more holding a conversation with someone um, and keeping them engaged and then actually, I guess, executing the value that you're looking to sell to them and make sure that they are believing in you um, in that. Now, I, I read some interesting research recently that said that um, if you want to get girls as young as 6 to 12 years old interested in technology, you had you had to sorry if you wanted to get them to carry on technology as a career option you had to get them interested in technology in the in the ages of six to twelve it was almost like you've got a language acquisition app that switches off around about puberty you know in the same way that yeah, we yeah. struggle to pick up foreign languages after that age and it's interesting that you talk about kind of school the only exposure you'd have to sales is door to door sales and then obviously technology it's well what's software development is there still a case that where women are concerned lots of these jobs not just roles in career coming back to kind of should we redefine what what a, a technology career looks like lots of these jobs across all professions are just poorly communicated around what they are what the opportunities are what skills you need to thrive and that we really need to carefully think about how we frame all sorts of different opportunities to make sure that people can get enthusiastic about them from a young age Absolutely. I, I think, you know, going back to primary school or secondary school, when you'd have career day or I wouldn't say bring your dad to work day, but it was one of those things where people would come and tell them what, what their job role is. It would be the typical roles that you know. So a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant. It was never that technology. But I think nowadays, and I see it with my own family members, with young children, I mean, they're learning now through iPads and technology. So it's shifted massively, I think, from when I was in school to now. So whilst I completely agree that there is definitely more room for that exposure and education around the different avenues that someone can go down, whether that is down technology route, absolutely. I think it's far more ahead of the game in comparison to where I was, you know, when I was back in school. Well, look, it's been fascinating to chat to you. Um, given that we are uh, really focused on International Women's Day and we would love to get more young women involved in the technology industry, especially people coming at it from a from an atypical background, someone who's come to the industry who didn't study technology, what, what would your advice be as a final piece um, for, for this interview? Yeah, I, I would say probably my final piece of advice would be for women that are wanting to change their career whatever age or break into an industry that is potentially known to be male dominated or you know a bit afraid or to, to not be afraid I would say sorry um you can make your mark you can make your stamp in in that world and in that industry and you can very much succeed I'd like to be I am an example of it so uh, yes <laughs> look Sarita thank you very much for your time
No worries at all. Pleasure. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, welcome to part three of the show. Three interviews to bring you. We've got an interview now coming up with Michelle Barnett. She's the UK Delivery Director from Fleet Corps, uh, talking about the fact that this year will be an interesting year on the back of the pandemic. And I think that's a fair one, right? International Women's Day. Um, let's not say it's had a reset, but there's been there's been a lot of focus, I suppose, Akish, on um, the the role that women have had to play in the home and at work all at the same time, you know, um, chiefly looking after the home, um, educating children whilst holding down jobs. And I think, you know, uh, in this, Michelle Barnett talks about um, the reaction from male colleagues and male allyship um, is is something that, that is a byproduct, perhaps, of International Women's Day. Well, I would imagine that over the last two years, a lot of men have been acutely more aware of just how much women in stereotyped traditional roles have had to do, as well as holding down jobs. Mm, I, th- I think so I think um, if, if, if I think about it I don't I don't necessarily think it's I don't necessarily think it's males didn't know and now they know right mm. I think I think it's more males now understand how hard they've seen it yeah and and and, and without without kind of being without kind of being judgmental here which you know, tell me if I am. But I think because a lot of the the traditional males that you know were possibly you know married, you know, with kids or or whatever, or had a partner who was a female and didn't really see the struggles that they do on a day to day basis, as well as then their own career. I think the pandemic mm-hmm. has allowed them to have a bit of a you know a bit of a, a kind of microscope into their life, and uh, and then they've gone, whoa, okay. Um, so that is a lot different to to you know maybe what I'm going through and what I do, and I think that's been that's been massive. Um, yeah, you know from 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 that side, and I think I think male allyship has uh, has become a thing and, and and increased because people now understand that actually, hang on, there we as as males as you know so to speak the I don't want to say dominant, but like you know the privileged privileged yeah yeah as as the kind of privileged um you know gender we need to come in and actually show that females can do this as good as us and if not better sometimes and you know they they need to be given a chance as well Well, right at the top of the podcast talking about you know more more women in in the boardroom 25 top 25 percentile of organizations in terms of competitiveness so yeah better than yeah. Then. And, and also it flicks you back to one thing that i'd read last night actually um i can't remember it was some magazine who put it up and they were talking about uh gender stereotypes in media mm. and they were talking about international women's day and women in the boardroom so to speak and they basically said they said like even stuff that you see on um like netflix and movies and stuff if you ever look at females now they are like kick-ass, like bad women in the, you know, in the in the kind of boardroom, as in like they're running organisations, they're doing this. You know, the stereotype even within the media has changed. And why can't that then kind of get relayed in the actual boardrooms, you know, not just in front of a camera? So it was quite interesting, actually, because um, they talked about kind of like Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. that sort of thing. And they said, look, in, in those times, it shows like the male chauvinism and, you know, all that sort of thing. And now they were talking about, oh, I can't remember what they were talking about. I think it was like Queen of the South and all these places where it was like, you know, females running massive organisations and conglomerates, obviously on TV, but just saying how, you know, it it's, it's kind of shows that the power 
not the power. That's maybe wrong. It's, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? You have it's to see what you can be. Yeah. And we have woken up. Maybe mm. fingers crossed. I don't know. I don't want to say we've woken up like we've fixed it. Yeah. Around things like Me Too and and inclusion and equal representation, but media has certainly become a lot more aware oh, of yeah. how it represents women in uh working environments and yeah maybe maybe it's the case that the real world has to catch up a little bit but if it sees it on netflix and whatever else then then there's a better it, chance it's, it's subliminal know. right it's subliminal it's it's being ingrained into us right? right like even even in our lifetime like you know when i was young and i used to watch tv like i was watching a lot of football yesterday for example and a lot of the presenters were female like the main anchors of you know the the, the shows and stuff and i remember when i was growing up there, there weren't any females doing that job right if you, you flick onto the news everyone's watching the news these days to kind of find out what's happening in europe and these sorts of things a lot of the time it's females and uh, I, I just think it's yeah i think i think it's, it's great to be fair um and, and I, I, don't, I don't think we are at the end of it where you know we've got everything and everything's all good i just think we need to we need to keep having these conversations we need to keep talking about it the people that we're partnering with today um as harvey nash group i think is is great um and yeah we just need to keep having discussions like this and and need more male allyship i think because that's where the success will be seen quite quickly yeah i agree well look we'll hand over to this final interview Akish, thanks for your time so I'm chatting to uh, Michelle Barnett. Michelle, how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Monday morning, ready to go. Absolutely. And you are at Fleet Corps? I am. I'm at Fleet Corps. I've been here for, well, pre-Fleet Corps, so 23 years in total. So Fleet Corps acquired a company called Key Fuels in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was part of the team that uh, developed a, a kind of GFN system that processes our payments um, for business-to-business fuel card transactions um which is used by shell so and then moved into application support and setting up a kind of formal support itil practices uh team across across europe uh so yeah our international fuels and now uh and the uk delivery director for technology so look after our uk fuels businesses and ensure that the initiatives that they want to invest in we deliver them on time and uh to budget as much as possible, anyway. <laughs> and look, we're talking to you because um, International Women's Day is yes. tomorrow at the time of recording. So we, as, we, as you said in the introduction, it's Monday morning. Yes. Uh, and you've been at Fleet Corps for, or pre-Fleet Corps, Fleet Corps for 23 years. As someone who is a technology leader and is a female in the industry, well, every year we have International Women's Day. How, how, do, how do you... How do you kind of view the impact of days like these? Have you have you felt that it's made a difference to the organisation or to the industry over time? Yeah, absolutely. As, as within Fleet Corps, last year we had a, a and this year we've got events across the globe, and everybody comes together, and it's a real catalyst for opening up conversations around the challenges that women face, not only in technology but across the organisation. Um, and I think this year is going to be really important because with the um, the impacts that we believe women are going to face after COVID, um, I think that putting women's careers back, um, that, you know, the flexibility, the fact that childcare fall, falls mainly on women mm. during COVID and the impacts that that's had, that this year will be, there'll be some interesting conversations. We've got panels with um, guest speakers coming in, um, to to just throw it out there and people are fairly honest which is great it's great to have a day that women can really say well actually this is really challenging and it's interesting sometimes to hear um, the reaction from the male colleagues they just have never thought about it not that they intentionally are biased or it's it's a it's it's a way to kind of go put the light bulb moment on and you can see that happen with some of the conversations so yeah it's fantastic you say they're kind of putting the light bulb on and and men are (laughs) not consciously kind of no unconsciously but allyship has has allyship been something that you've really seen kind of strengthen over it feels like over the last two three years it's something that's come much more into the foreground as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And me being um, quite quite senior uh, in the technology team, so I'm in the IT leadership team. And um, other than our HR partner, um, I'm the only the female in that team. And I do feel that I have a lot of support and I feel that I'm promoted amongst my colleagues and I've got respect. Um, and for me, in my, in my role, it's really important in the organisation for me to support other females that mm-hmm. are starting out on their career. Um, and critical is to have that confidence. I think that one of the key things that women um, p- perhaps suffer with is when you're in a room full of men, it's, you feel a little bit intimidated. And to have women role models in the organisation that can support you. And we've set up our women's network in Fleet Corps over the past couple of years. Um, and and just having that network to go and talk to younger females in the organization and mentor them um, into ask for what you want, push for what you want is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what look, that's obviously kind of the the internal aspect of things. What what do you think we can do with regards to education, with regards to you know going and talking to to girls still in maybe secondary education or then women in further education and higher education to help make sure that there are more people coming through and aware of the opportunities available to them in industry? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we recently um, started an apprenticeship programme. So I think it's really important to, to go into schools, go into colleges and demonstrate that technology isn't I think there's still a stigma associated with technology being a male-dominated industry. And to a certain extent, it still is. But I think um, what I've seen in the past three or four years, when you move, we've moved towards agile working. And actually, women do fantastic in the agile working. They're, they're facilitators. They, they are enablers. Um, and there's a lot of roles in agile that allow women to come into technology. And you can move around in roles, you know, scrum masters, um, that the product owners in our organisation. So I think getting out there and understand and showing women and young girls that technology isn't sitting in a corner coding now, it's actually having conversations about solutions. Technology is nothing without people. If you've got a solution that doesn't actually give any value to the real world, then it's not, it's not really worth <laughs> building that technology in the first place. So recognising the opportunities that technology bring to the world is really exciting. And I think that we need to get out there and start generating the passion um, with, with, within schools and colleges. So, yeah, it's um, definitely something that we should all be doing, going out there and spreading the word. Yeah. And look, as, as a senior leader within technology and trying to put gender to one side, what, what is it about that role that you really enjoy that you think should be attractive to anybody? Because the industry, maybe it does have a, a slightly... Um, outdated uh view externally about what technology is within an organization it doesn't really marry up to what the reality is so yeah i just wondered what it was that you you really love about your job that 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 would kind of sell it to people who don't know as much about tech it's for me it's the problem solving and people aspect so you bring them both together and technology is part of part of it it's not the whole of it it's it's always been about I have a problem and I want to solve it and what's the best way to solve it and, you know, removing some of the blockers that we've got, manual, um, taking hours to do things and just seeing how you can push the boundaries. Um, and, and there's so much collaboration um, when, you're, when you're delivering new solutions. It's, it's understanding the problem that you're trying to solve and the constraints within which you're trying to solve that problem. And then looking at the technologies that are available and seeing, and, and sometimes you, you build something, it doesn't work, and, and moving forward and, and failing, and then you get to the success. Um, I just, the variety is fantastic. That's what's kept me here for 23 years is the variety. Every, no, no two days are the same. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, look, you mentioned there that there's an apprenticeship scheme uh, with Fleet Corps. If someone's there listening, is. they think it might be an interesting opportunity, how would they find out more? Um, so if you go onto our fleetcore.com website um, and uh, take a look, search up the apprenticeship program, um, then 
read up on it and you can get in touch, writing to us, emailing to us, um, and we can give you some more information, talk you through what opportunities are available. So we've got software developers, automation engineers. So there's lots of different roles um, and we have got nine apprenticeships um, running at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a great opportunity to work with people that have been in the industry for years um, yeah. and get some really practical hands-on experience. And one last question before I let you go. Uh, as I said, it's Monday, but Tuesday, and this, this goes out, it is International Women's Day. What have you got planned? Uh, so we have a global uh, panel uh, with, uh, say, external speakers coming in. And we've got lots of, we, we do lots of fun things like um, online bingo, where we've got um, um, questions around famous women and, and things like that. So it's fun. So we're mixing the fun with the challenging conversations. So, yeah, yeah it's a full day program and it involves everybody across across the whole of Fleet Corps. So, yeah, we really celebrate. Cool. Well, look, I hope it's a, it's a wonderful day. Thank you for uh, spending a little bit um, of time this morning with us. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed a lot of people listening uh, think, hang on a minute, that sounds like an exciting apprenticeship opportunity and get in yes. touch. Yeah, please do get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. Thanks for your time, Michelle. Thank you very much. <laughs>